Welcome to the ministry of Mercy Seek Ministries and Evangelist Pat and Karen Jackson. We believe that the message you are about to hear will mightily change your life. Open your heart, mind, and spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. We must declare it to the next generation. Let's go into God's Word this morning. Open your Bibles if you would. And we're going to approach in just a moment to Romans the 8th chapter. I'm preaching or sharing a word this morning simply titled, The Body Double Spirit. What in the world is that, Pastor? And I'm going to get very, very real and I may get transparent and I may cry today. Is it okay if I cry? How many of you know it's, it's manly to cry? But, but as you open your Bibles, we, we've been in a 21-day fast. Anybody excited about the fact that you get to go eat today? Come on. Isn't that all right? But we've been in this 21-day fast, and I'll be honest with you, this was more of a, a warring fast for me. You know, Isaiah 58 says this, and as we wrap this 21 days up, and again, we've been praying over these cards. We'll continue to pray over these cards. Some of you get, we, will get your answers in April or June, but you will get answers. And so I encourage you to keep praying over those. But what, what was our scripture for that? Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, and to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide for the poor wanderer and with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him, and to not turn him away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light, I love that right there, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. And, and, and it goes on to say, then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry for help and, and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of finger and the malicious talk. What do you mean? This whole passage is about freedom. And so, this last Wednesday night, in fact, if you didn't get a chance to do it, there's going to be a box up here at the end of the service. We built an altar up here. There's a, there's a bunch of rocks up here where people wrote the thing that they needed to turn their back on, to get free of, just like they did when they crossed into the promised land. We can't stop now. But as I move into this, and I begin to pray all week long uh, uh, about, okay, Lord, what, what, do, what, what does it mean to, be, to look like Jesus? Because I'll be totally honest with you, most of the time I don't. How am I supposed to look like him? And this series is going to take us into the body parts. What does it mean to have eyes like him and ears and hands and feet? Then we're going to move, move into the cool thing about Jesus is he doesn't leave us. He says, you know what? I know you may struggle a little bit trying to look like me or act like me, so I'll give you some armor to wear. How many of you know he gives us the full armor to wear? You need to learn how to confess your armor in the morning time. I'm reminded of a quote that I heard this week from the Barna Institute. And Barna, they do a study of all the statistics of churches and all that kind of stuff. And if you really want to get depressed, you ought to read it. And But he said this. He said, we become famous for what we oppose rather than... The, this is the leader of the Barna Institute, not George himself, uh, not George Barna himself, but the, the president of Barna Institute. He said, we become famous for what we oppose rather than who we are. Welcome to religion. The Amplified Version in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal, as it were, through us. We, we, as, Christ pers- we as Christ's personal representative beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled unto God. What does this mean? Body doubles. Then I'm supposed to look like him. 
I'm supposed to be just a little bit like him. When I walk, people should see something different. It was so cool. I went to the hospital to pray for somebody this week. And as I'm walking in the door of the ICU unit, somebody else stopped me and said, and they knew who we were. And, and they said, would you come into this room and pray for my mother? She got beat up by a robber. And, and she had a, uh, because of it, a blood clot on her brain. And I walked into that room and it was a Jesus moment that you never even know is going to happen. I'm just trying to go into the hospital to visit somebody else. And they go, would you come to this room and pray? See, folks, there's something about knowing who you are in Christ that I can walk into any room of a perfect stranger and say in Jesus name we're really one but I can lay hands on you and we can rebuke that thing I got a text message later that day that said that she was just shining the the the, the lady that we prayed for was just shining after we walked out folks we're called to be different I don't want to be that boring dead church that just sits in your pew and and guards your steeple are you with me so far what does 1 Corinthians 12, 12 say? It says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is, so it is with Christ. We're a part of the, the whole thing. Remember I showed you two weeks ago the nucleus of what it meant to be a part of the body, and then you've got different church groups that make up the whole, that were a cell, that when you're sitting here, without you, if I were to lose one of my cells in my body, without you, if you're not here, we're, we're missing you. Today I know uh, Steve and Jill guys, Steve's working, had to work all night, and, and, and when he's not here on Sunday morning, I'm missing part of my cells. Body double. How many of you ever watched a movie and, and you could tell when they have a body double? You could tell when the actor didn't want to get his hands dirty or didn't want to take a chance of getting hurt. And so like, so like I remember one time I was watching Dukes of Hazard, and, and you know, Boss Hogg weighed about 400 pounds. And, but I'll never forget, it showed him getting thrown from a horse or from one of the cars or something, and, and, it's, and, it's, and he's, he's going in the air, and, and as he's going in the air, it's a thin guy in, in a suit. And you're going, man, Boss Hogg lost some weight when he got thrown from that horse. And, and you're looking at it going, that is so fake. The A-team. Anybody ever watch the A-team? Don't you wish somebody would have died in the A-team? And I'm sorry. But I used to watch the A-team and I'm like, somebody just needs to get, at least get shot. Nobody could shoot in that, in that TV show because the bullets were just always around people and then they'd give up. And, um, and, and so, but I remember watching the A-team and you could always see the body doubles, that they were totally different. And it's like, well, that didn't look like George Papard or that didn't look like Mr. T. That was a little tiny black guy. And, and, and so you're watching it and I told you that even, I've even seen body doubles on SpongeBob, Okay. But I watch for stuff like that. In fact, I love the fact that we can TiVo now. I love the fact that I can rewind things. Wouldn't it be cool, or how many of you know, actually, it wouldn't be cool that, that if people could actually rewind us, if they could look at you and really see your motives, man, I'm thirsty. Hey, have you got some water for me? Oh, thanks. Thanks, Pastor Sean. What if I could rewind Pastor Sean? Wouldn't that be cool? Okay, let's do this again. Okay, okay, here, let's try this again, Pastor John. Here you go, here you go. I'm going to do it again. Okay, I'm going to rewind you real quick. This is, see, it's really cool that people can't rewind us because they might see our motives. I know we look great in public, but what if they could see us on our way to something or in the car on the way to church? You know how everybody's perfect on the way to church? Do you have a perfect family? (laughs) Our best arguments have been on the way to church. Shut up back there. We're going to praise God. Folks, there are demons in my house that steal my daughter's shoes on Sunday morning. 
Or if they're eating cereal, there's a, like a demon goes, let's mess with their Sunday morning and flips the bowl over. I don't, maybe you don't have that house. Maybe your house is so perfect. You get up and you dance together as a family and you go, let's go to Zion and worship and take our sacrifices under the Lord. Let me, let me see. One word, one what you were really like just then. Let me, let me remind you real quick. Okay. I'm reminding you. Okay. Now, okay. Now you're, now let's do it again in slow motion. I guess I better drink my water now. How many of you get mad when I drink water in front of you? Man, I used to get ticked off when people would drink water up there preaching and I'm sitting there going, can I go get water? No, sit there. We're just seeing if y'all are awake today. But I found out if you could really see somebody's real motives, what's really going on inside of them? What are they really up to? Do they really look like Jesus? I want you to write this down. We know who Jesus is, but do we really look like him? In recent days, I've heard of ministry leaders falling into deception or sin. Let me get real with you. And so my heart for the next few moments is to set the record straight. When you've been entrusted with things, the Bible says, it's important that you prove faithful. And we honestly live in this day where there is no gray lines. Either you have a prayer life or you don't have a prayer life. If this is some big business, then we're really not doing very well at it. Because understand what I'm talking about. And, and if the body's made up with many parts, if we're all part of this thing, and, and, and but I've seen this slackness in the area of integrity, and, 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 and most of us are called to be like Jesus. But I'll be honest with you, when I look at Christendom today and I look at leaders across America, I don't see it in a lot of areas. Now, let me not throw everybody under the bus because there are true leaders out there. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 is our key scripture for this series. And this is what it says. And we know that in all things God works for the good of for those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God... For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined... And he also called, those he called, he also justified, those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this, that if God be for us, who can be against us? But it says right there, for we've all been called to be in his likeness. The, the, the Greek word there is icon. It's where we get the word icon. Image, resemblance, profile, representative. As I launched this series, it was my goal to research the very embodiment of Christ. I told you that there's people that are looking for Him. That they will, uh, that they will go and, and, and show up at places where it looks like an image of Him has been burned on a tortilla. Or it looks like He's in a picture from the Hubble Space Telescope. In fact, we've got these glamour shots of Jesus and we really don't even know what He looks like. Did you, did you download any of those glamour shots? And so, but it's so many times it's amazing to me how we've got people that, that, that think they know what he looks like and they'll travel on pilgrimages to go see an image of the, uh, his mother Mary or whatever when really all we're supposed to do is look in the mirror. I told you, you're a body double. You, you had to get to know your twin. I talked about all that in the first one. You, your mannerisms, you, you get to compare the same scars. You can see miracles. But then remember the last thing I said was you have to forgive in order to be like Jesus. But in order to be a body double, remember this, nobody said your journey would be easy. Write that down. Nobody ever said your journey would be easy. What does it say in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 16? Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trials you're suffering. 
Can you imagine? As though something were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Can you imagine if we started comparing ourselves and we saw a video of, of, of him carrying his cross and the blood rolling down his face and where he's been beaten and he, he looks nothing like I look like when I get up in the morning time. But it, it says right there, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering it as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be over, overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed for the spirit of the glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as Christ, as, as a Christian, excuse me, don't be ashamed. But praise God that you get to bear his name. I haven't seen any of us go through this lately. But the Bible says, don't be surprised. In fact, 1 Peter 4.19, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to be to their faithful creator and continue to do good work. But see, I don't see a whole lot of this in modern Christendom. We don't really talk about this because we have really learned how to package church. We learn how to get in and get out and all those other things. But what's the heart of Jesus? Write this down, number three. Every body double has to get real. Now, I'm going to get very intense in just a moment. Because I want to go after a myth for a few moments. I want to challenge mainstream media for just a moment. I, 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 I want, uh, what do Christians really look like? When I'm watching TV this week and a fallen minister who's made a lot of mistakes is running around doing the media circuit right now, whether it's HBO or it's Oprah or it's CNN. And in the midst of doing all this to try to reinvigorate his fallen ministry, it comes out about another allegation with another man. And I sat there and I just began to just say to myself, what's going on? Because see, I sat last Saturday night while you were getting ready for service here. I flew into Dallas, got there very late after my grandmother's funeral. And I met a, f a fellow friend, a friend of ours who had fallen in ministry. He had made a huge mistake very close to Sean and I. And I met him at an Applebee's at 10 p.m., got off the flight at 9, dro go, drove straight to the Applebee's. And he sat at the table, my dear friend, and you may meet him someday, sat there at the table, one of the greatest youth minds in the world, sat there just weeping, saying, I was so full of pride and I was so unbroken and now I don't really care about ministry I just care about Jesus and it was the realest moment and it was so powerful that I went back to my hotel room at about 11.15 got to my hotel 11.15 to get ready for their 8.30 service and I'm sitting in my hotel room and I'm just turned on worship and I began to weep because it's about time we got broken again somebody get excited somebody it's about time we got real again So what does it mean to look like Jesus? We're his body. That means we have to be like him. You're an ambassador. That means you're his representative he sent. You're the one that goes and does the negotiations with the lost. And now this is not going to be popular, but watch for just a second. Does that mean that Pat, Pastor Pat, if, 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 if I look like Jesus, I can't be blessed? Because a lot of people go that route. No. My Bible tells me I can be blessed. 
But I believe God's calling us to look like Him. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 28 verse 11 about the blessing of God. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, and the land He swore to your forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of your bounty, to send rain on your land in season, to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. I love that right there because what does Proverbs 21, 21 say? He who pursues righteousness and love finds prosperity and honor. So God says, you can look like me and still be blessed. You don't have to take a vow of poverty. I honestly believe that the blessings from God, that when you really get blessed, it should humble you to understand who he is. But are you real? And this is one of those messages designed to remove the stain of religion. I want to do what uh, my friend Larry Stockstill said one day in a meeting. I want to peel the paint off the cross for just a second. Because we've made the cross look really pretty. I want to get really honest. I want to get back down to the wood of the cross. Because because do you know uh, the, the, the church doesn't exist, exist just for Christians. You're with me, right? But for the unbeliever. But the problem is the world wants to know part of a social club. They don't want a social club. But they will, however, come and check out a place that is real how many of you know we are called to be real give god a praise offering amen if we're a body if we're a unit we're supposed to be real so let me give you these three things and i'll be done very simple word today the spirit of the body double has three distinct elements if you're going to be a body double you have to at least look like him a little bit number one of those three be passionate about having compassion. Now, now, passion without compassion results in a spirit of anger. And I've seen a lot of angry people in ministry or in church or in Christianity. Again, we're doing a, a this, this checkup time right here. This is one of those times where the doctor comes in with the gloves on and says, all right, let's check everything out. This is one of those moments where you got to check and see what's going on in the body. This is one of those moments where he, he begins to change you. Compassion is a sign that the world has not experienced very often from the church. We don't have compassion. Now, we judge very well, and we can tell you all about your sin, and we can tell you what you're going to have to do. We really don't usually have a plan on how to get you free, but we'll tell you what's going on in your life, and we'll let you know you've got a lot of sin in your life we don't really have the time though don't don't ask us for time to actually walk you through deliverance process to get that junk out of your life but if you'll just come down here and hit a knee and pray a prayer everything's going to be okay but don't ask me to walk with you because that means i have to have compassion upon you i told you this wasn't gonna be fun don't stone me there's a lot of rocks up here and i can fire them right back okay It's hard to have compassion if you've been taken advantage on of too many times. But it's what Jesus called us to. What are the three elements of who Jesus were? I'm just, I'm just studying his character real quick. Number one is compassion. It's the ability to yearn to help somebody. It is a compelling sense to want to fix things, to, to want to straighten things out. It is a, a nagging feeling of, I could have done more. Dictionary.com said this, it's the deep awareness of the suffering of another coupled with the wish to relieve it. The deep awareness of the suffering of another coupled with the wish to relieve it. You know what, I honestly believe that compassion is the motivating factor to the miraculous. 
It's when you begin to lose part of you to give to somebody else that a miracle steps in and that power of agreement takes place. And But look at Isaiah 54, verse 8. Our God is a compassionate God. And it says, In a surge of anger, I had to hide my face from you for a moment, just a moment, just a glimpse. Karen's going to be, uh, wants to do these, 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 um, outreaches to girls across America called catching the glimpse of the father because there's nothing like a look from a father. I can say more to my six-year-old daughter in a matter of moments than any man in this room can because if she just sees her daddy's approval, it changes everything. Whether she draws me a picture and I don't even know what the picture is, but I act like I do because you become a liar when those, day, when those things begin to take place. And then she gets quite frustrated if you can't figure it out. But it's that look where I can walk in the room and say, Hey, sweetie. And she changes. And she'll start turning around to show me her outfit. It's the, it's the song, Pastor Eric, that you, that you, that you wrote. It's it, like that. It's, it's, see, uh, now watch, because God says, I, I had to hide my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer, the one who buys you. What does it say in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35? Jesus went throughout all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Well, we could stop right there, couldn't we? But he went one step further. Look at verse 36. It says, but when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 14, 14, it's listed as one of our text scriptures. When Jesus handed, landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Compassion. Pastor Sean, I didn't even know it until after I wrote this message. Hit on it last Sunday. The word there is um, splogchinesiomia. It's a, it's a big word. It's about cheese and it's about... I don't know how to say it either. But you know what it means? It means to feel something so deep in the very bowels of your body. It means it aches. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. It means it aches. I see something there and I ache. If it was up to me, I would, if I, when I see hitchhikers, and I know that's not very smart, but you see somebody walking down the street or you see a homeless person, go, go to my friend Rich Wilkerson's church in Miami. And as you're driving, every time I would drive there to service, I would just see people on the streets because it's, it's hot there year round. And so you, you don't freeze to death. Homeless people. I'm reminded of preaching in Daytona Beach. A friend of mine brought me in to do this big school assembly thing and, and I'm sleeping, uh, in my hotel room at Daytona Beach. And Daytona Beach was the, is the number one runaway capital of the world. And so at night, there's thousands of teenagers that sleep on the beaches in Daytona. And at night, I would try to sleep. And I'd go stand on the, the balcony of my hotel there in Daytona Beach. And I would just begin to weep for these kids that are sleeping under cardboards. Teenagers that have run away from home. And finally, I know this doesn't sound very spiritual or very Christian. But I had to go to my friend and say, move me to a hotel by the church. I cannot handle this. I'm not sleeping. It's the orphanages in China. You've got to be driven by something. If you're not driven by something, then self is one. The practice of compassion increases our capacity to care. It's, it reinforces clarity and empathy and sympathy. It's very good exercise for your heart muscle. It, Philippians 2, verse 1 through 2 says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with His Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, 
and make my joy complete by being like-minded. Body double. Having the same love, being, being one in spirit. See, this totally goes against the Bless Me Now Club of, of America and Christianity. In fact, Thomas Aquinas, he's the one that made the statement that carry your cross with great excitement and in due time your cross will be forced to carry you. But he also made this statement. He said, I would rather feel compassion just than, than just know the meaning of it. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 through 4. Praise be to God the Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comforts we ourselves have received from God. This is that scripture where Paul is wanting to die. Did you know that Oswald Chambers said this? He said, God's life in us expresses itself as God's life, not as human life trying to be godly. God doesn't reduce himself down to try to be us. We are to take ourselves to another level to be like him. You're still with me, right? When I, the last time I did TBN, the, the broadcasting Christian thing, I went to eat with the lady that was in charge of the video. and we, we, It was a whole bunch of us we went to eat. and We're sitting in the back room, actually, at, at Glenbert Toast Church. And she looks at me and she said this. I, I just ask her straight out forward questions. I put people on the spot a lot. And, 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 and I, I was just asking her and she said, uh, she said, the meanest people that I have to work with are the ones who have the greatest power in Christianity today. What about the people at the restaurant, the waiters, that said they hate working Sundays? And I've been told that over and over because Christians are such jerks. So number two, if number one is compassion, number two is I'm at your service. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Our attitude should be the same of Christ Jesus. Right? Because we're his body double. You get to be in the movie. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I mean, you know, Jesus came to serve. He was always walking around with that servant heart. Do you know that nearly all the writers of the New Testament, when they would open their books, they would say, uh, 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 a servant of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be a servant? I know that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word term, wait, literally means to serve, to, to wait upon Him. They that serve, He shall renew their strength. That's what the Bible says. So if you're a servant, He's going to bless you. But look at, look at when the disciples were arguing here in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. All of a sudden, they're arguing about who's the greatest, who's going to be the coolest, who's going to get the big spot in heaven. And not so with you, Jesus said. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the hostages. That's what it says. It is amazing how Jesus defied the concept of being a king. He rode a donkey instead of a majestic white horse. Slept on the Mount of Olives instead of the Hilton Hotel. Hung out with sinners instead of with those that were big and into you know, the Christian political system. What do you mean? Folks, this king was supposed to tear up the Roman Empire. He was supposed to have people eating out of his hands. And next thing you know, he walks over, wraps a towel around him, and starts cleaning, cleaning dung off the feet of people. That's not the kind of king that most of us would want. Look at what Jesus did just before he died in John chapter 13. 
Verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father, Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. He came, came to Simon Peter, who said to him, who was full of pride at this moment, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize... Now what I am doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That's what he said. In fact, Jesus goes on to say, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. Needs, who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you're clean. Though not every one of you. And he's talking about Judas. For if he knew who was going to betray him and that, for he knew who was going to betray him, that was why he said not everyone was clean. And, and when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He says, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I am your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. You know what it says? You know, it never says they actually did that either. What, what are you talking about? I, I'm almost done. What does it mean to be a servant? There's five things you can get from this real quick. If you want to write them down, you can. In fact, n- number one, you have to use what you have to serve. Jesus had a towel on. He said, let's use it. N- number two, people who are battling self will always try to stop an act of servanthood. Oh, you can't do that for me. I can do that myself. Really? Why are you going to rob me of a blessing? Well, hey, I don't need your help. Really? Let people serve you. Let people bless you. If you don't, you're full of pride. A, A true servant knows how to throw in the towel. See, Jesus did the opposite of what everyone else thinks he should have done. He should have led a revolution at that moment and went out and kicked the tail of Herod and started this big thing and been a brave heart there, but he didn't do that. He threw in the towel. Sometimes the greatest thing that can ever, happen, can ever happen to you is to quit the fight you're in and let God have it. You still with me? Peter was a man of war. He would be the one that would grab a sword and defend Jesus. If Peter would have known what was coming, he would have been sharpening his sword. But Jesus had a towel. Church, I am here to tell you the only way we're going to win in this city and battle against uh, racism and, and addictions and gang violence and, and, and uh, all the things that, that, that are trying to destroy man is to put a towel on. You start serving people, it disarms them. They lay their swords down. They don't know how to handle it. When you start washing somebody's feet and speak, come on and get excited this morning. But see, a true body double who has a servant heart knows how to clean up where people have been. He was washing their feet. You know why? Because he was letting them know, I believe in where you're going. I know where you've been because it's all over your feet. You've got sandals on and the roads are made of of camel dung. So I'm going to wash off where you've been. A true servant knows how to walk up to somebody and say, let me wash off where you've been because I believe where you're going. Let me get your feet. Why? Because the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings the good news. Are you still with me? That's Romans 10 verse 15. He said, if I serve you, I'm showing you that I believe in where you're going. One million would die in the first year of Jesus dying on the cross. Every, or in the first hundred years. Do you understand that every one of these disciples, except John, and we're not really completely sure how John died because he got, he had to go to that great pastoral rock and retire in Patmos. They would all die for him. 
He was saying, let me wash your feet because I know where you've been. But where you've been doesn't matter because where you're going is greater. I've got a bigger plan for you and I believe in it. Do you, you must be willing to serve even those who will harm you. Hey, listen. Shh. He washed the feet of Judas. I'd have been punching that mug in the mouth. Come and kiss me on the, kiss me on the cheek this afternoon. You see what's going to happen. He said, come here, Judas. In fact, I'm even going to call you friend later, Judas. You know, there's a group of people in our church that have, that have really served in the last year. And we do this every year, but something that's a big deal to us. And, and I, I want to present something to them. Let, 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 Pastor Sean, Jim and Kay Autry, would you, would you, would you, in fact, would, during this part of the sermon, would you stand up for just a moment? Just stand up for just a second. And, 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 and Pastor Eric, you can go ahead and come and join me if you want, because I'm about ready to close here in just a second. But, but the, the, this, is, this, is, this is something we had made, and it just says the Summit Church at Birmingham Servant. Uh, Jim and Kay, would you join me up here for just a second? And, and just when, when, we, when you come up here, Jim and Kay lead our Keystone, our senior adult group. They're always serving. They're always fixing food back here. They're always blessing people. Would you come up here for just a second? Just let me present to you a towel and say thanks. Larry and Leslie Bowen, would you, would you come on up? Come here. Just say, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. We do, we do this... Because we want, these guys are involved in, in so many different aspects on the leadership team, but in the worship and on stage, playing the flute, playing the guitar. I just want to present this to you for your house. Just thank you for serving. Uh, l- l- let, me, let me do this. Um, uh, Bill, Bill and Reba, where are they at? Bill, come here. Reba, come here. I don't know of anybody else. Many of you know Mr. Bill. Oh, no, Mr. Bill. Um, I had to do it because you thought it, all right? You know how I am. I'm the elephant in the room guy. And so they're out there every Sunday telling you where to park. Get here way before you do and leave way after you. Beat me to the hospital the other day to visit somebody. I just want to present this to you. Let's see who else we got. We got um, is, is Terry Cobb here? Is she here right now? Terry made all the meals for fire in the winter, always serving corporate influencers. She's an executive with Bell South, and yet she's always there to serve, making the meal today for all of our new friends. Let me bless you with that. This is somebody that, that Pastor Reeves told me about that is just brings students there early, stays till late, serves, put, puts out chairs and helps or does whatever. Where's, where's Jessica? Yeah, Jessica Dugan. Come here, Jessica. This is from the youth department. Jessica, I want you to take this home. And when you look at it, it reminds you who you're supposed to be every day. Come on up here. Come on. You can come right up here. You're fine. In fact, uh, Gene and Elaine Hanner. Where's Gene at? Gene, are you in here? Gene, I saw him. Come here, rascal. All the lights in the building, always, whatever you need, Pastor. The other building that we're not in anymore. Just servants. Yeah, I just want to present this to you today. This is just, this is what kind of awards we give out. We don't give Academy Awards, we give towels. Oh, where's, where's Dwayne and Judy? Miss Judy, I know you may, I don't know if you can come up here or not. I, you know what? Do you want to come up? Uh, well, all right then. Well, come on. Well, she gave me a look like she's going to beat me. 
But they, they bless the forerunners every week. They show up at chapel, bring them food, take care of them, sit in the back, love on them. I just want to, I just want to bless, just bless them real quick. Is it okay if I do this on a Sunday morning? Y'all all right with this? Because these people know what it means to. Jim and Deborah Wilder. Oh my goodness, what a week they've had. You don't know it, but Jim doesn't get paid to do it, but he cleans this building every week. And they serve every week. See, you're the embodiment of a body double. You represent. Let me, let me, here we go. Let me give that to you real quick. Um, they're, they're, these aren't here, they're not at this service. Okay. Um, well, this guy is. For the last two years, many of you don't know it, but the Summit Church started because of a, driving down the back road, or the, a road here in Trustville, and my son looked at me and said, Dad, you preach to the youth of America. My friends need God. And for the last two years, he's done everything he can. And Pastor Reeves picked him. Nate, would you join me up here? Would you give all these folks a hand as they come up? Come on, one more time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for serving. Would you all take those seats right there? Take those seats right there and I'll wrap this up. Be seated for just a minute longer. Here's the closing. And this is not going to be popular and I'm probably not going to be very manly right now. Guys, just join us right up there. Thank you for what you do for the summit. This is the big one and I need to, I need to warn you that I don't know if I can get through this. A body double is always broken about what is broken. Psalm 51 verse 17 in the Amplified Version, it says, My sacrifice, the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. It means broken down with sorrow for sin and humbly and thoroughly penitent. Such, O oh God, you will not despise. The word broken there in, 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 uh, in, in the, if you were to study it, it translates crushed, broken into pieces, torn, brought to the place of giving birth. The word contrite means collapsed physically or mentally. So in other words, you're aching, you're pushing. It's as if you were going to give birth to a child when you're broken before the Lord. Now, I've never given birth to a child, and if I did, I'd be very wealthy. I've often said the best way to stop teenage pregnancy is let one boy get pregnant. Let him try to pass that kidney stone. <laughs> Amen. That wasn't right. Those two words in that scripture, divide, they, 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 they speak of uh, uh, devastation and brokenness. Remember when Karen was in labor with, with Nate, it wasn't pretty. It was 12 hours. Almost to the point of death in order to bring life. So the Bible says that the sacrifices of God are the point of coming to death in order to get life. I've had a few moments in my time or in, in my history, my personal journey, where, where I've had brokenness beyond. And one was in a hotel room in Toronto, Canada, when I just needed God so badly that I wailed for seven hours. 
Henry Nouwen, who's gone on to be with the Lord, he wrote this in his book, and he said uh, in the book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, and it says, it's often difficult to believe that there, that there is much to think, speak, or write about other than just plain brokenness. Mark Buchanan wrote in his book, Your God is Too Safe, that there's one soil that usually withers pride. It's brokenness. He goes on to write that brokenness molds our character closer to the character of God than anything else. To experience defeat or disappointment or loss, the raw ingredients of brokenness moves us closer to being like God than victory and gain and fulfillment ever can. It's that place of brokenness. Have you ever learned the power of weeping? In the Bible, tears are the language of, 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 of the soul. And Psalms 80 verse 5 says, You have fed them with the bread of the tears. You've made them drink tears by a bowlful. When tears are the, the language of the soul, when, when, they, when they are turned towards God, they, they're never wasted nor shed in vain. They're often shunned by men, but they're treasured by God. When you begin to weep, Psalm 56 verse 8, Record my lament, record my tears, list my tears on your scrolls. Are they not in your record? Matthew Henry the Great, the old theologian, said this about this verse. He said, God has a bottle and a book for his people's tears. Both those for the tears and those for their afflictions, he observes them with compassion and tender concern. He is afflicted in their afflictions and knows their soul is in adversity. What makes you weep? The shortest scripture in the Bible is when Jesus lost one of his best friends. It is the shortest verse in the Bible. John 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. Pope Leo I referred to this passage when he discussed the two natures of Jesus. And he said, in his humanity, Jesus wept for Lazarus. In his divinity, he raised him from the dead. God says, I'll weep for you in my, your humanity, but then I'll do something supernatural. Nate told me about going this week to, with his psychology class to Bryce's Hospital up in Tuscaloosa. It's a mental hospital. And he saw this big the guy, this sharp-looking guy that could have been a great athlete, but he had been a gang member, and because of all the drugs and other things, he was schizophrenic. But he had, Nate was telling me, he said, Dad, he had three tears tattooed to his cheek, which means he murdered three people. Second Timothy 1, 4, Recall, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Well, pastor, that weeping stuff's for girls. Then call me a girl. Remember when Dr. Bill Bright was about to die and sitting at his kitchen table. And I had to go. I had to catch a flight in, in Orlando there. And I got on my knees and crawled around to his wheelchair. This man that has led millions to the Lord with Jesus found this great, brilliant mind, founded Campus Crusade. I laid my head in his lap. And I stained his pants with tears. And he, with a shaking hand, rubbed my head. And I said, Dr. Bright, Pray for me that I'll stay faithful. Weeping. You want to be a body double? You got to learn to cry. David said, my tears have been my food day and night. One old preacher said it like this. Tears are the best gift, God, best gift from God to suffering man. Psalms 84 is one of my favorite poems and, or, or psalms. It's, it's full of promises for the brokenhearted. It says in verse, Psalms 84, verse 5, it says, Blessed, happy. Come on, team, if you want to go ahead and set up for that drama. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also feels. Well, Jesus didn't weep very much, Pastor. Really? 
Have you read Hebrews? That's New Testament. 5 verse 7 through 8. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Dads, the greatest thing you can do is let your kids see you weep. So what is a body double? Someone who has compassion. Someone who can serve. Somebody who can be broken. Oswald Chambers said it best. Oftentimes a poor broken hearted one bends his knee but can only utter his wailing in the language of sighs and tears. 2 Corinthians 7.10 Godly sorrow. That word sorrow is deep. Welling up tears brings repentance. It means to, to turn your back brings repentance. It leads to salvation. It leads to no regret. But worldly sorrow brings, it brings death. Brett Hancock called me one day to get on my nerves. Because when he calls, he usually hears from God. Not always. If not always. I've never had him call me when he didn't hear from God calls me one day and he says, have you heard that song by Jason Upton? I had not heard it. Our team had heard it. It's called Dying Star. He said, I want you to listen to it today. And I did. Watch this and we'll close. And, um... said, Lord, I want to be a part of your army. I want to be a part of that generation of people that you raise up. And, and the Lord, he just, uh, he just sang this over me. He said, you got your best man on your front side. You always show your best side. Evil's always on the other side You say this is your strategy But son, I hope you take it from me You look just like your enemy
I'm so sorry. If I haven't wept enough, if I haven't been broken enough about what's broken, this is our day to get out of the way. The Bible says you will be bright and shining stars in a crooked generation. But a star is not really useful unless it's got a reflection. Here's what I want you to pray with me, if you would. Today, break me. Now let's just stand there for just a second, Pastor. What does this mean? What does it mean? Compassion. The servant heart. Brokenness.
all over this house, your eyes shut, if you would, right now. If you say, you know what, I've got stuff in my life. I've got sin in my life. I don't look like a body double. But if Jesus loves me enough to have compassion on me, I'm the one that he needs to, to tackle today, that he needs to wrap his arms around. If you say, Pastor, I have sin in my life. Maybe you've walked away from God. I'm not going to beg you to do this. This is just a moment in history, a moment in time. And you say, I got to get junk out of my life today. Raise your hand now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands have gone up all over this place. Can we all raise our hands in the air? Let's put ourselves on the cross for just a moment. Because of the time, I know that you're going to be, you're welcome to stay and pray and do whatever. Some of you, when we go to this next part, you may have to pray this out loud across this house. Dear Jesus, change me. Forgive me. Be my Savior. Clean my life out. I want to know you. I really want to know you. Be my Lord and Savior. Heal my mind, my heart, my body. Fill me with your spirit. Today, make me hate sin. Make me hate the things that keep me from you. And here's the big part. Here's the big part. If you just raise your hand and you prayed that, way to go. But here's the big part. Here's the part we're going to right here. Here it comes. And I need to warn you about this because I don't know if you need to come to the altar and cry out to God. You can do whatever you want. But here's the, 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 the second to last part. Jesus, help me carry a towel and not a sword. Help me have compassion. Now here's the big one. Put your hands down. Put your hands down because before you can really carry your cross, he had to have the brokenness in the garden. So this actually comes uh, earlier. Here's the next part. Jesus, break me. I want to weep. I want to know you in the fellowship of your sufferings. I will weep again for the lost. Touch me. Thank you for listening. We pray that this word would sit in your spirit and transform you. For more information or to become a covenant partner with Mercy Seat Ministries and Evangelist Pat Karen Chatsline, you can log on to www.mercyseatministries.com.